0: Hey everybody welcome to trek in time the podcast that takes a look at star trek in order and in history as you've probably heard me rattle on before what that means is we're watching all of star trek all in one sitting no that's a different <laughs> podcast that's the please kill me now podcast this is the podcast where we're watching all of star trek in chronological order. So we've started with enterprise which in the trek universe is the earliest point in Trek history and we're watching each episode in order and we're also talking about what was going on in our world at the time of the original broadcast and I'm not using the royal we here I only use the royal we here at home in the podcast when I say we I mean me Sean Farrell I'm a writer I write some sci-fi or write some stuff for kids and with me is my brother Matthew. He is the inquisitor and guru behind the youtube channel undecided with Matt Farrell. Which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How was your uh, Christmas? My holiday was rife with tension and family fun.
1: <laughs> that tension in like, the form of
0: yeah. COVID is entered the the circles around us. Some immediate family contracted COVID, and so we had concerns about that. It thankfully was mild, thanks to the vaccines and boosters. And other than that get togethers with family still did happen and those were lovely and exciting and heartwarming. So everything that we wanted from the holiday on that side uh, even though it was muted by concerns about what's going on in the larger world and with family members and here we are now at the cusp of 2022 talk about time travel at the time of recording this we're standing in 2021. But by the time people are listening to this it's going to be the future. next year future future so any big plans for this new year's usual thing in by bed into bed by nine and sound asleep by midnight (laughs) you know me so well sean (laughs) that's right so today we're going to be talking about the episode marauders from enterprise and matt you want to give us a quick synopsis of this episode sure while in
1: search of deuterium enterprise discovers a mining colony that is being controlled by Klingons who are bullying the inhabitants and hoarding their supplies. The crew conduct repairs on the colony and train the colonists to fight off the Klingon.
0: That pretty much sums it up and believe it or not that was the wikipedia entry as written actually good. So this episode <laughs> had a wikipedia fan who was just like let me make this grammatically correct. Yes. Before we get into that conversation though, let's take a look at some previous episode comments Matt. I understand you've picked out something for us to talk about here.
1: Yeah, I picked this one out um this came from AJ Chan uh, on a recent one of our recent videos not the last one but like a couple of videos before and I thought this was funny to call out just for the time of year that we're in because of the holiday season. This isn't about enterprise but we could say that Star Trek Generations is kind of a Christmas movie with a giant question mark. It was released before Thanksgiving and depicts a family celebrating Christmas via the nexus timey-wimey shenanigans Picard and Kirk experience their past present and future like Charles Dickens Christmas Carol Picard sees an alternate present where he and hi, where he had a family Kirk sees his past with Antonia and is visited by Picard who's like the ghost of Christmas future.
0: <laughs> that is a remarkable framing yeah. of yes. generations I had I never really do I like I, that
1: I wanted to call this out because like I that never even crossed my mind I was like oh my god that it is Charles Dickens
0: <laughs> told in Star Trek Yeah, that really is that's a pretty cool way to 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 look at it. Especially when you consider the first contact is Moby Dick. Yeah. It it kind of makes sense that the writers may have been looking at that as as a way to frame like take some piece of literature and put star trek into it and that's a really I'm definitely going to enjoy thinking about that when we do our rewatch of generations which if we stick on the current schedule we should be doing sometime in 2027. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah. so for today's episode Marauders as Matt said Klingons they're back and they're better than ever deuterium. It's back. It's better than ever and colonists they're back and just as whiny as ever. This episode was written by Rick Berman and Brandon Brago. The teleplay was done by David Wilcox and this episode aired on October 30th, 2002. It earned 5.6 million viewers which is down from the previous week. This episode I thought was interestingly originally pitched by Gene Roddenberry back in the original series according to some notes I found online the idea for this episode would have involved at the time it would have been for the very original crew of the enterprise so it would have been captain April would have arrived at a planet that had been effectively beaten back by marauders to a colonial era way of living and the crew of the enterprise would have trained these very rustic looking humans into how defend to defend themselves against the marauding aliens. So this is a older story idea. What I thought was most interesting about that as a pitch for the original series and its existence in this episode and Matt you can let me know if you had the same response to this that I did. We've seen this story many times before
1: <laughs> Yes,
0: I thought that this episode did a nice job with it. I didn't as opposed to last week I think regular listeners will remember last week that the night in sick bay felt like 7 nights to me. But this episode while I feel like it's something that's kind of a pat storyline that we've seen in the Mandalorian had an episode like this I believe mm-hmm. next generation has an episode like this.
1: It's a classic old it's western a cla- story yeah. and it's like this that's that, that was one of my notes is this feels very original trek and it feels yeah. very by the numbers because we've seen it so many different times and so many different. It's genres. the
0: 7 Samurai it is a pat storyline around the idea of. Here are the the farmers the homesteaders the people who see themselves as tradesmen of a certain type being overwhelmed by bullies and the use of the Klingons in this one. How did you feel about that as far as them being the nefarious marauding party. Well, do we want to get into
1: that before putting this in history because we haven't talked about like what was going on at the time this was aired.
0: Okay, well, I'll loop back to that then. Yeah. So at the time of airing on October 30th, 2002, what was the world like? Well, Matt, you will remember better than most of us that you were dancing along to skater boy by Avril Levine. <laughs> Matt said, there's a skater boy. Matt said, see you later boy. <laughs> and in the theaters and this made me feel strangely old. Oh, Jackass yeah. was the top movie and When I read that, I thought, how is that not more recent or older than this? (laughs) Kind of a stunning development to recognize that that movie is suddenly 20 years old. And on television, which I'm going to start calling for the next few weeks CSI Watch, the viewer numbers on CSI this week were a paltry 29 million. That's right, 29 million people were somehow struggling to keep that show on the air. And in the news, from the New York Times. This is a return of what we talked about last episode, which in real time in the world, this episode aired 2 weeks after the previous one. And regular listeners will remember that last episode I shared the coverage of the US sniper in the DC area was currently plaguing the DC and Maryland area and causing major concerns on highways in that area. Well, at this point they had captured the two people responsible and the headline from the New York times us sniper case seen as a barrier to confession state and federal investigators said today that John Muhammad had been talking to them for more than an hour on the day of his arrest in the sniper shootings explaining the roots of his anger. When the United States attorney for Maryland told them to deliver him to Baltimore to face federal weapons charges and forcing them to end their interrogation. The investigators said an FBI agent and a Maryland detective had begun to develop a rapport with Mr. Muhammad. The other suspect Lee Malvo 17 was being questioned by a Montgomery County detective but was not answering any questions and listeners will remember that I summed up the story about the snipers in pointing out that Muhammad who was 41 at the time had convinced Malvo who was 17 that going on a crime spree and becoming snipers was somehow the right way to teach people about corruption in the American system and eventually Muhammad would be sentenced to death and he was put to death. Years after his sentencing. So back to the episode of Marauders Matt quick sum up. We find the enterprise short of deuterium in if I recall correctly. It's kind of a lingering element of some of the previous episodes around the the ship repairs that had to be done after the minefield incident Yep. So they're still struggling with repairs and I think that this is an aspect of the of this series where really in the second season now they've they've come up with an interesting way of having plots develop out of how far out they are and they don't want to have to return back to star bases. Yes. They don't want to have to go back to earth and it's a nice way of of. A drip, drip, drip reminder of th- these people are not feeling lost in space, but they're kind of pushing themselves past a limit.
1: There's Both, no supply lines. They no have supply to figure lines. out no supply lines. Yeah.
0: And they are they are doing yeah. this. Uh they had an episode where they revealed that the emotional exhaustion of the crew had reached a critical mass because they had been working nonstop in close quarters for such a long time, which led them to RISA. They had the episode which involved the minefield accident and if they had to go back at a slower warp speed they would literally be 10 years away from getting home and this is yet another layer to that they are literally bartering for Mm -hmm. supplies and I thought that that stood out as one of my favorite elements of this this episode.
1: Yeah, it was for me too. It was I like the I like how they're creating a continuity to the show and the season and the storytelling of how everything has kind of got a thread that they're hanging everything off of but it's still standalone stories. So it's not like you're going to be lost if you come in at this one episode and haven't seen the previous three. It's totally fine. But if you watch them in sequence it creates a nice like building a nice subtle storyline across the entire season which I think is an improvement over last season which yes. didn't really do much of that at all
0: I also. Enjoyed in this episode right at the beginning, you could see it, and there was a note in some of the history of the episode that I found from Bacula referring to this being the largest set that they had on the show. This was shot in a quarry, and right at the beginning, you get a sense of scale that I think is is really interesting. The opening shots showing these small colony of people, aliens, because of the notable ridges on their forehead, classic case of Star Trek super gluing something to somebody's face and saying now you're an alien yeah that was
1: one of my first notes just in gigantic caps I wrote forehead ridges with an exclamation point. Yeah. It's like there we go again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we see a very clear to us enterprise shuttlecraft coming in low over the horizon coming in and flying a discrete distance to a hill behind the colony and settling down while the colonists very understandably are watching this with trepidation and talking about is it them and it's a nice classic setup for a teaser to say oh these people are afraid of somebody but we don't know who. We then get an a sequence where we see the back and forth between the enterprise and the colonists and I actually really liked this scene as well for the fact that it is it avoids very typically you'll have those moments in Star Trek where somebody shows up who's an alien to the planet. I'm talking about the crew from the Enterprise or from whichever ship that we that we're following along in the show and the aliens are overwhelmingly, "Hey, come on in." Yeah. Come into my home. Are. Have dinner with my family. This is my child." Yeah. And this did not feel like that. This felt a little bit like, "Thanks for dropping by. You got to go." But this also comes back to the, what we talked about in the very beginning which is
1: this is a classic western trope and this is typically yeah. how it's handled in the stories. It's usually the towns like you're not wanted here and the guy's like well what do you mean I'm not wanted here I'm here to help and kind of keeps prying and figures out what's going on and helps the town and saves the day. It's like yeah. it's a very standard trope that we're seeing play out and my my impression when this f- episode first started was and I, th- I th- you actually brought this to my attention for this specific series. It's not. Brandon and Braga in general but for this specific series every time their name is on the storyline my heart sinks a little bit now because yeah. it's like they actually are the the weakest link when it comes to the stories when I saw their name I was like oh here we go and you mentioned earlier about the Klingons being the big bad and this storyline this trope we've seen a thousand times which makes sense that Roddenberry also was pitching it <laughs> originally because yeah. he was a big into space westerns so it was. Well, the and original like,
0: the original pitch for Star Trek it was wagon train to the stars.
1: Yes, so, so. It, this did not sh- shock me at all when you told me that I didn't know Roddenberry pitched this idea originally. But it all makes sense. Here's Brandon Braga with some of the weakest storylines for Enterprise. Here's an old story that they're, they're pulling out of the archives from Roddenberry way back in the day. But overall, even though I'll get into the Klingon thing in a second, but overall, I thought the execution of something we've seen again and again was actually really well done. I think part of it was the acting I think the actors they got for the people that lived in the town were very competent good actors and were able to have subtlety to the performance. So it was never over the top. It didn't feel like people were chewing scenery. It was it was nice. It was a very well rendered execution of something we've seen before. So it didn't bother me too much.
0: I was particularly impressed by Larry Cedar as Tessic, the colony leader. I thought he did a really good job of portraying the conflicted leader who feels at the same time like it's his job to keep everybody safe and terrified that he's not up to the job. Mm -hmm. And right from the beginning the effort to keep everybody safe means don't rock the vote. Mm -hmm. We have a system in place where if we just do what we're told nobody gets killed and we've learned a harsh lesson. They reveal that in previous season and they talk about the mining as seasonal if my understanding of their talking about it is correct. They've got 5 years of history Mm -hmm. on this planet and they refer to 3 years ago there was an attempt to fight back against the Klingons that was totally ineffective. Mm -hmm. So when he first shows up and is talking with the captain Archer is. He's a little pushy in this episode.
1: Yes, very (laughs) he's very confrontational and in people's faces.
0: Yeah. And part of that I think is interestingly suggested as born of necessity. He's begging effectively at the very beginning for deuterium. They're like we really can't manage to go very far and if we leave without deuterium we potentially could be stranded in space within a few weeks. So he's pushy for that reason but once he gets the deal which is hard negotiated they set up a plan okay we're going to give you certain things off the ship you're going to give us the deuterium we need and then we'll go after that he continues to be a little nosy about yes yeah why won't these people be nicer to me well he's he's.
1: It's clear that he's reading between the lines that there's something fishy going on here and he's trying to get to the bottom of it and it's it's just the inquisitiveness of every Star Trek (laughs) show which you can you can kind of excuse but yeah I I I took his motivation from the beginning as desperation that he was not going to take no for an answer because they really needed this deuterium and he was going to do whatever he needed to do to get it. But beyond that it turned into this classic Star Trek I'm just going to keep poking (laughs) I'm going to keep
0: poking around. I like the fact too, that they had not the captain in isolation, but showing other members of the crew also having like their Mm -hmm. antenna go up about this and that there was not a following up scene where everybody's reporting to Archer about what they've seen. I like the fact that it was a little bit like the whole experience is kind of pulled back a little bit. The camera's a little bit back from the interactions. In particular, Dr. Flox's conversation with the colonist who is clearly the colony doctor. And the things that she is interested in taking as he is looking at them, and he notes effectively he's kind of reading between the lines and saying, You only need these things if your people are going into combat situations. I liked that aspect of it.
1: There's also the when the discussion comes up when they discover that they are being harassed by Klingons, and the captain has this great conversation with Tapal where She's basically taking the classic Vulcan stance of like should we really get involved in this and the captain's saying this is not mm-hmm. like a, a scenario where we're messing with somebody's culture. This is a a tiny colony. That's a mining colony they're out on their own they need help and we can't just leave them this way. I thought it was great when T'Pol said I don't disagree with you I agree with you yeah. and it was and I thought that was a great bit of he was expecting a ton of pushback from T'Pol in this decision that he wanted to get involved and when she said that you could kind of see. Not that it deflated his argument, it, but he was kind of taken aback, like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you could tell that he was kind of surprised that he wasn't out on a limb by himself. So it yeah. was the entire crew was kind of getting behind the idea of these people need to be helped.
0: Yeah. Some things that stood out for me that were a little eyebrow raising and not in a good Vulcan way, but in a like, really? <laughs> They're wearing new away suits, which yeah. whenever a new away suit is introduced, I'm always just like, but why? like yeah. classically um in the later seasons of enterprise when Kirk suddenly had a something that looked like a Greek inspired greenish shirt. I was like what happened to what why what and remember and they
1: have no supply lines they're running out of deuterium yeah. but we have a a guy on board that can tailor us all new suits. <laughs>
0: That's right. They've got <laughs> they've got the fashion designer crewman It was just like Captain. I've been looking at you in that outfit. I think you'd look good in tan. So, (laughs) and then he spun on Troy and or or to Paul, not Troy. Sorry about that. Different series. Uh, Putting to Paul in a skin tight white outfit for a away mission. Perfect. There is let's go to a dirty planet. Let's go to a
1: dirty planet and wear white.
0: (laughs) There were also a couple of shots that looked like they were clearly designed to show off. Uh, yes, to Paul's posterior. Yes. Which made me start thinking of her as to posterior and unfortunate, unnecessary. Again, please let's stop doing that. Um yes. another thing that stood out immediately, and thankfully nothing more came of it. I wrote down in my notes as soon as the boy in the colony showed up, who doesn't love a kid in a story like this who will immediately become the one that's put in danger. And I was actually very pleased that the episode turned that on its head with the kid having a conversation with trip. They're very clearly trying to show this kind of bonding between trip and this kid and showing trip as like all around just like a really good guy like Mm -hmm. setting him up as like he's out there and he's seeing the individuals in the colony. He's picking up on the humanity of the moment and he has this nice conversation with the kid where the kid is like I want to help and the entire pushback is the best way for you to help is to stay out of danger because if you're here we will be focused on you instead of what we have to do. And I fully anticipated a moment of yes. a Klingon grabs the kid a Klingon is running through the colony with the kid with a knife to his throat. Thankfully none of that had n- never happened yet. none of that took place. But then we get to the Klingons and I will admit the first moment we see the Klingon ship I wrote down Klingon tanker ship cool <laughs> that I thought was really neat.
1: Yes. I like they set up that this is a freighter. This is not a battleship. This is clearly there's marauders the title of the episode. So it's like they clearly don't have a big military backing. They're not here based on the Klingon empire. They're just doing their own thing and just being the jerks of the galaxy. And so it's like the enterprise knows they're on their own. So if we can train these people to stand up for themselves, they can take them on.
0: Given all of that, what did you think about the depictions of the Klingons?
1: I didn't like it. I thought it was it didn't feel like they didn't feel like classic Klingons to me. And on top of which, the action sequences, and I put those in gigantic air quotes, action sequences, had some of the worst fighting choreography I've ever seen, and it didn't feel believable. (laughs) And here are these gigantic
0: But Tapal had taught them how to move, move, roll. It was so bad. That's how you fight a Klingon, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And 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 to kind of get go off on tangent a little bit, the classic Montage sequence where they're training the town how to fight and they're doing all the fight sequences. There was one bit in all of that that I really liked, and it was when uh, to Paul calls out Travis and says, Let's show them how to do this. Yeah, and she hands him the stick and is like, Okay, you know, come at me, and he gets this worried look, and she says, don't worry you're not going to hurt me and his response is it's not you that I'm worried about Yeah, because he knew that to was going to take him down Yeah, and I just love the fact that here's this big muscular guy looking at this tiny little Vulcan and he knows he's about to get his butt kicked but yeah. again outside of that that entire the way they trained them the fighting sequences the way the Klingons were represented didn't feel like the Klingons that we got to know through deep space nine and all the other shows it felt yes. a little off It didn't feel like a classic Klingon and it felt like you could have put any other alien race in this moment and it would have worked better because they weren't behaving like Klingons.
0: Well, we've gone through episodes before where we've talked about they've used and I'm thinking about the episode where the Klingon ship is in the gas giant and slowly breaking up as it Mm -hmm. falls through the atmosphere there and my response to that one was like wouldn't Nausikins have made more sense. Yes, that it's it's and I kept thinking the same thing here this would have been better for Nausikin's this would have been better off as Nausikans Yep. or my other thought was going the other direction. They did have the the sequence where to says it's I think it's clear that these are not people who are working with the high command because Archer makes what I thought was an interesting like shopping list of here are the favors we've done to the Klingon so far. Let's call in a favor and get them to leave these people alone. And to Paul points out, these people, these Klingons are not working with the high command. This is separate group. And it sets up an interesting element around the Klingon Empire that there are maybe factions, that there's some frayed edges to the Klingon Empire where you have marauders like this. Mm-hmm. I would have impre I would have appreciated an opportunity to see Klingons. These Klingons all look like they went to casting and they had a bunch of stunt men line up and they were like, okay, you five guys go put on Klingon outfits. I would have appreciated if the Klingons had been old, very young and out of shape or I think injured like they had been in injured, the military yeah. and
1: they couldn't be in the military anymore because they were maybe once missing a hand or something you know what I right. mean? like there's something about them.
0: Set them up as being their Klingons but they are not the Klingons who are going to be on the front lines and f- serving aboard the frontline ships. These are the ones who feel like they are cast off and that is the chip on their shoulder that makes them want to act like the tough guys when they show up and they steal de- deuterium. So. I thought that was a missed opportunity because there it almost feels like what they're trying to do is demonstrate there's a little bit of nuance to the Klingon Empire. Yeah, there's the Klingon Empire but then there are these guys out here doing this thing like pirates who are their own thing and their own kind of problem. I thought it would have been better casting to show that nuance in the casting choices and then it also makes the final battle seem more realistic because as you pointed out the stunt battle here is rather lackluster it's a lot of running around a quarry while the Klingons don't act like Klingons at all. Or um, swing wait
1: one beat move back next person comes in and swing. It was like the slow it was like slow motion fighting. It was yeah. like it was clear just b- very rudimentary stagecraft for fighting and it was just like yeah. this is this is Klingons are brutal. This is this is not a brutal fight. <laughs> this is yeah. just two people dancing slowly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the overall plan involves moving the colony and I thought that the depiction of the crew chipping in I like the fact that you see Mayweather on -hmm. the planet. You wouldn't need your main pilot at the helm when you're not going anywhere and I actually had a little bit of a fan fiction thing in my head around the idea of Mayweather volunteering to go down and saying I want to help these people because he and I would have liked there to be a line from him about the fact that he grew up in long haul freighters where marauders were a known problem. So he would connect very deeply with this and it actually made me wonder why isn't he the main person to connect with that kid as opposed to trip. I thought Mayweather would have been a better choice for him to have that. Like, look, I grew up like you. I know when I know what you want to do. I know that you want to help, but I remember when I was a kid, your age, the best thing I could do was stay safe. When my family knew I was safe. They could do what they needed to do and I was like uh, missed opportunity there and again a missed opportunity to use Mayweather. They do not utilize him well at all. No,
1: they don't. It's like that remember that episode a while back in the season one where there was like it was about his family and his history on shipping. That's as deep as we ever get his character and they never really do anything with him ever again. Yeah, He was a great character. They could have done more with but they clearly wanted to focus on trip the captain and to Paul and pretty much everybody else is kind of falls to the wayside which is sad.
0: So the captain finally convinces the head of the colony that it's you've got a you've got to push back. You've got an opportunity here we will help you. You've got an opportunity to stop this and I love the fact that he says you teach a man to fish you feed him for a lifetime and I wanted the colony leader to look at him deeply and say. What the hell is a fish? I know I was waiting for
1: that too. (laughs) When he said said that, I'm like, how did that translate for this guy who doesn't understand (laughs) an earth (laughs) colloquialism? It's like, what the hell? What is going on?
0: You know what we say on my planet to people who live in the middle of a desert? Eat a fish. You teach a man to fish. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) But they make this plan to move the colony buildings in the same setup closer to the mining facility where the deuterium is and remove the mining equipment so that the the shafts where the deuterium comes out can actually be used as a trap. And I thought it was interesting that they referred at one point to deuterium when it burns will burn almost as hot as almost as hot as plasma. Mm-hmm. And yet when the Klingons are trapped in the middle of the to stigotug- deuterium like <laughs> by that logic, they should be incinerated. Yeah, just, There's can, also the, can we just the, talk about that whole, yeah. I have so this is where the,
1: the episode falls apart for me because the whole, we're gonna teach them a lesson and make them leave moment is Mm -hmm. so not a lesson teaching moment. It was like, oh, we just had a little bit of a ring of like loose flames around them and they're like, oh, we're scared enough to go away. Bye bye. And it was like, they teleported away. It's like they couldn't have just teleported themselves 10 feet to the left outside of the flames and they come and (laughs) killed everybody. It's like, it didn't make any sense as to like why that would scare them away. It, there was nothing scary about that. There was no teaching them a lesson. And they
0: even raised that idea in the episode to Paul says to Archer if we chase them off this time what's to keep what's to stop yeah. them from coming back later and that is never answered. There nope. is never a moment where they're like well here's why yeah. and I thought of the options for them to legitimately get the Klingons to go away included only two options blowing up the Klingon ship or killing the Klingons who come down. Those are the only two things they could have done. Well, you could have also legitimately made sense. They could have have actually captured
1: most of the crew. And so it's just the captain is the captain of the Klingons is left. They've got all the other Klingons basically tied up at gunpoint and they're saying, We will do this to you every time you come here and get out of here. It's like you could and they could have let them go. It's like something to show them that we really can stand up to you. This trick they pulled is a trick. It's like a trick playing football. They will never be able to do that again. So Well, what are they gonna do next time. They never showed that they can actually stand up to them toe to toe. They had right. to trick them into something. They did not overpower them. No. They in an effect they should have shown people. we can yeah. actually overpower you now get out of here and if that th- yeah. that was the lesson then it would have worked. This was not a lesson and the fact that they beamed themselves away <laughs> my first thought yeah. was and they beam right back down and yeah. they kill everybody. <laughs>
0: they beam back behind the celebrating <laughs> yes, group exactly. and then everybody's eviscerated as soon as the enterprise leaves. Yeah, it was definitely didn't make sense the choreography the search through the colony all of that felt very it felt less than star trek. It felt mm-hmm. like those tv shows which aspire to being star trek and you watch them and you're like oh you're not even close to being star trek it felt a little weak like that. But, but how did character you feel the moments. But how did you feel about the episode as a whole though as a whole like I said at the beginning I felt like we've seen this before but overall I thought the execution was well done. And even at the end, with a kind of goofy "aha, we've trapped you in our barbecue, yeah. and <laughs> now you will leave us alone," and the Klingon saying like, uh, "Your deuterium isn't even good for a garbage scow." Ha <laughs> ha! I've got you. And then they leave. Yeah. And I was just like, "Okay, it was fine. It was like yeah. I enjoyed this more than I did a Night in bay While a Night in bay was a deeper character dive around Flocks and Archer, and I appreciate those aspects. I thought overall, as an episode, this one was slightly above that. I felt like okay they executed this standard trope story well. So that's funny
1: because I didn't mind. Night Bay. I can't kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. I think this is about on par. It has some serious pitfalls to it but in, in grand scheme of things it was enjoyable I had fun watching it. It didn't really kind of like leave a bad taste in my mouth other than the bad fight sequences and the questionable ending for yeah that wouldn't scare anybody off other than that though I thought it was a fun episode and. It was better than it should have been based on the paint
0: by number storyline.
1: It was actually better than it should have been.
0: Yeah. And I agree with you. The acting did a lot. Yes. They really they put in they put in effort, especially the extras, who conveyed a lot of emotional depth to their fear and what they were dealing with in very harsh circumstances. I thought they did a lot with with not so much on the page. So hats off to all the people who were cast in this episode. So before we get to next episode I have a closing question for everybody and that question is this if it wasn't the Klingons does anybody have a good suggestion other than the Nausicans as to who this might have been or like me do you have a couple of suggestions around what could they have done to the Klingons to make this seem a little bit more within the trek universe as opposed to oh here come the bad guys guess who starts with a K. Mm-hmm let us know in the comments. Next time we're going to be talking about the episode, the seventh Matt, I'm going to give people a peek behind the curtain. I'm not going to ask you what you think the seventh will be about because guess what? We're recording these episodes back to back. That's right. You're (laughs) going to see these exact same outfits next week because two episodes are being recorded at once. We both already know what the seventh is about. So we hope you'll tune in at that time and check it out with us. Matt, before we go, is there anything you'd like to remind our listeners about?
1: Uh, just to check out my youtube channel undecided with Matt Farrell talk about sustainable technologies things like solar powered boats and thorium nuclear reactors I talk about all this different kind of cool tech that might be on the horizon. Just check that out
0: as for me please check out my website seanfarrell.com you can look for my books there find out more about them or you can look for them directly at Amazon Barnes and Noble or any bookstore near you or your public library. However, you take a look at them I appreciate your interest. And remember, there are ways to directly support this podcast. You can visit trekintime.show, and there is a jar there that allows you to throw coins in it. And if we hear those coins land, we greatly appreciate the support. You can also, if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down and find the join button and join us. Please remember to leave a comment, to subscribe, to like the episode, share it widely with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast, and we hope you'll come back next time. Thanks so much for listening. Everybody. We'll talk to you soon.